Hello and welcome to another episode of the Clinical Pharmacist podcast. I'm your host, Senior IP Pharmacist, Clinical Lead of CPS and the founder of Clinical Pharmacist Academy, Runa Salim. I have my lovely co-host with me as always, Rahina Kassam. Rahina, welcome. Thank you. Rahina is a Senior IP Pharmacist and our Training and Development Manager at Clinical Pharmacist Solutions. We are continuing our clinical series today, and today's episode is on Parkinson's disease, and we'll be discussing this clinical area with our guest, Danny Bartlett. So for those of you who have been following our podcast long enough, you might remember that we actually had Danny as a guest almost three years ago now, and he was an experienced and quite an accomplished pharmacist then, and even more so now three years on. So Danny Bartlett is a senior IP lead pharmacist at Horsham Central Primary Care Network currently. He is also a national board member for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society English Pharmacy Board. He is a senior lecturer at the University of Brighton and also the Interprofessional Leadership and Educational Fellow at Health Education England. Danny, welcome and thank you so much for joining us again. Hi, thank you. Good to be here. Fantastic. So I think to kick off the discussion today, as I said, it's all about Parkinson's disease. It might be good if we can start with how you actually became interested in this clinical area, what your experience has been like in managing this condition in primary care. Sure. Yeah. So I, I've always been interested in Parkinson's. When I qualified, so I qualified as a community pharmacist and I worked across multiple community pharmacies just as a relief manager. And there was some training that came up in collaboration with King's in London. And we got a consultant neurology pharmacist down to give us some extra training around it. So even in a community pharmacy kind of setting, we got that training, which was really cool. It was all free. Just taught us around kind of the things and doing when you're doing a medicines use review, what they were called back then on Parkinson's patients. And then ever since then, I've kind of got the bug with it and uh, love it. And then I've just kind of taken that into a primary care sphere. So instead of it being a medicines use review, it's kind of a structured medication review. I'm able to maybe affect it a bit more because I have more access to the notes, neurology letters and things like that. So it's really enjoyable. And I think that it's one of the key conditions when I'm teaching at uni. It's one of the key conditions where I think small changes can make really big differences to a patient's life. And that's why we're kind of best placed as pharmacists to do that. Perfect. So it's just made me remember as well, Danny, I I believe I was actually on that community Parkinson's training alongside you in King's as well. We had neurologists down and I think as community pharmacists at that point, it was actually very enlightening to us to actually be able to guide these patients. And I remember it just being a trial at that point and learning so much about it. So it's amazing that you've gone ahead and actually use this as one of your speciality areas as well. So coming from that, why do you think it's so important for pharmacists to have a good understanding and management of Parkinson's? I think, shout out to Shelley Jones, by the way, who's the who's the consultant pharmacist that taught me everything <laughs> I know. Um, she is, I'm not a touch on her, she's an expert in it. So I think it's probably the best and clearest example, in my opinion, of medicines optimization and how you can make a small change in someone's medication and see a really good benefit, both therapeutically and kind of from a holistic way as well. So I think is really important for pharmacists to kind of look at this as a condition that's going to just increase in numbers as we get kind of older, we live longer and we get more complex. So I think it's really important for us to recognise conditions like this and actually something as simple as timings of medication and things like that 
not necessarily those, just the timings. And um, we can come on to that later on, I, I think. But I think it's just around every pharmacist knowing what the condition is a bit more. I'm always very keen to show my students at Brighton a video of someone with Parkinson's disease because some people may not never have seen it and may never have presented itself to them. They might not have had a family member, for example, with it. So it's really important to know what the disease is, what the pathology is, but also how important the medication is for that condition. So that's why I think it's important. Absolutely. And as you said, being able to see the immediate impact of changing and guiding those patients on those medications can make such a direct impact. So what are some of the common pitfalls that pharmacists can face when dealing with this condition? And do you have any examples of bad practice or poor understanding led to any avoidable issues? A couple of things come to mind. So I think there's a, I don't know who came up with this dosage regimen, but you'll probably recognise it. But it was always kind of 8am, 12pm, 5pm, and then 8pm at night. And for some reason, when someone was on four times a day of Cinemet, or or dopa that was always the standard dose and I think one of the easiest pitfalls is to just put that dose on a label when you're dispensing it and kind of think that that's fine and use it I think it's a shortcut on some surgery systems but I think in terms of thinking about what that means to the patient every patient's going to have a different routine every patient's going to wake up at a different time of day and everyone's going to need that first dose slightly earlier slightly later depending on what their day-to-day life is so I think one of the most common pitfalls is not even asking that question to the patient. What's your routine like? What time do you get up? When do you do things? Um, I had a patient used to go swimming very early in the morning, but then when she got told she had to take her first tablet at 8am, she gave up swimming because she was frozen or really unable to kind of function and move properly when she used to go swimming, which I think was about six in the morning. So moving her dose earlier made sense for her in her regime, whereas if you get someone that doesn't wake up until eight o'clock, then that's going to be good for them. So I think that's really common. Another pitfall that comes to mind, not examples of bad practice necessarily, but I think polypharmacy is really important to have a look at. Remember that Parkinson's affects your mobility and can really affect your balance, increases your risk of falls and things like that. So in terms of avoidable issues, you need to be looking at all of their medication, not just honing in on just the Parkinson's meds. So has this person got multiple antihypertensives? Do they take them both in the morning? Maybe is it worth putting one in the morning, one in the evening, or maybe they don't need as many. Maybe their blood pressure needs to be closely monitored and they might be getting some postural drops in their blood pressure. So I think in terms of polypharmacy, it's not just their Parkinson's meds. Understand that they're a whole person, but also their Parkinson's might lead them into being more at risk of falls and things like that. And I think that is something that maybe doesn't get done enough. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Danny. So I think for some of our pharmacists who may be listening in who are not yet in primary care, so to remind our audience, uh, you know, one of the key tasks that a pharmacist undertake in primary care is that the pharmacist may be involved in routine medication reviews and also prescription management. So what are the key areas that need to be addressed when conducting a routine medication review for someone who's suffering with that condition or even reauthorizing medications used for Parkinson's? What are the key factors that pharmacists need to be aware of? So I would always say, let's go back to basics and just give a really quick whistle-stop tour of what Parkinson's is and and the medication that you're going to be using for it. So if you think of the fact, and just a little uh, inside scoop, is that Cinemet or Cocarodopa is my favourite drug. It's my favourite because I think it's the coolest. And I'm very aware that when I say something's cool, it's generally not cool. But Cocarodopa is the way that I think of it is that the levodopa, dopamine is lacking in Parkinson's, you reduce the amount of dopamine. So when you've got co dopa, 
you have levodopa, which needs to try and get to the brain, and they've got carbidopa, which is like, I think of it like a soldier protecting the levodopa so it can get to the brain. Now in Parkinson's, you're almost always constipated because there's a function of dopamine in the bowel and everything moves a bit slower. So the first question when you're doing a medication review with anyone in Parkinson's should be, when was the last time you had a poo? Because almost every Parkinson's patient will be constipated. And that's really important because the more constipated the patient is, the more likely that this co-carol dopa or their cinnamon is going to be in their bowel for longer, which means it's not going to get absorbed, which means they're not going to get the benefit of the drug. So it all links in and it's all a vicious cycle. The more constipated they are, they are the less likely they are to get the benefit of that medication and the less likely that soldier, as I called it, is going to protect the levodopa in order to get it where it needs to be in the body. So that's really important. Constipation in Parkinson's probably needs multiple agents. But make sure they're not on the shed load of agents. So let's think about the type of laxatives that they perhaps need. Maybe they need an osmotic laxative like lactulose. Maybe they need a bulk forming laxative or maybe they need a stimulant laxative like Senna if they're really bunged up. So that's really important. Just kind of giving a bit of an overview of what that person needs, because they will almost always be started on something like Cinemet to start with. Now, when you're thinking about a Parkinson's patient that's got a bit more of a developed disease, they might be on additional medications for their Parkinson's. They might be on something called dopamine agonists. So things like rapinarol. And what that means is that that's increasing the amount your brain is producing in terms of dopamine. It's increasing the amount of dopamine you have. But in terms of a medication review for patients on this, you need to caution them around impulsive behavior because you're increasing the amount of dopamine in the brain and there's stories where patients with parkinson's have been given too high a dose of these dopamine agonists and have got gambling habits they've had hypersexuality and then impulsive behavior is at risk as well so make sure that you're cautioning the patient that perhaps they're starting on this medication and going gradually up to recognize these signs and symptoms and to flag them and if you get a really big dose of dopamine agonists, sometimes you can have involuntary muscle twitching. I had a patient that took double the dose of their rapinarol by accident and had something called facial targative dyskinesia, which is basically like spasming of the face. And they're really, really self-conscious about it. And it really affected them. So that's one thing to bear in mind with those. And then if their uh, Parkinson's has got even further progressed, then they might be on something like risagiline or I can never say it. Sigeline? I can never say it. That one is just, I can't do it. And the way that I think of that is that it's a monoamine B oxidase inhibitor. And monoamine oxidase B is like a Henry Hoover in your brain, hoovering up all the excess dopamine. So inhibiting the Henry Hoover means that your dopamine that's in your brain is going to be there for longer. So you can get the benefit of it. So that's really important that if someone's on that type of medication, they're generally quite far in their journey of Parkinson's and they might be quite progressed. So even more important to go back to basics, ask the questions about their bowels, make sure their timings are really important, make sure they're not struggling with their medication and things like that. That was a really comprehensive answer. And I've realized that I've just been rambling on for ages. But yeah, that's the way that I would approach it. <laughs> no, thank you. That was a very, uh, you know, very informative answer. I felt like I was back at uni. I remember, <laughs> you know, hearing these things. And I think it's important, you know, the way you've explained it, put it into context and just practically how do we use that knowledge to help our patients now so you know thank you for that really informative answer so one of the other things that you actually touched upon earlier is timing of dosage so we often hear this when it comes to Parkinson's why is the timing uh, of administration of the dosing so important when it comes to Parkinson's 
I think just contextualizing it in terms of the patient in front of you. So what is the routine of that patient? When do they need that dose? And what is their routine? So do they need a dose? Sometimes I see covenal dopamine dispersible tablets because they get into the system slightly quicker than a normal tablet. So they might have that first thing in the morning and that can help them become a bit more mobile. Or you might have a patient that has a regular routine where they wake up a bit later, or you might need a patient that plays, I don't know, some sort of sport or needs to do some sort of activity later on in the day and they need to take the dose maybe an hour before. So the timing is really important. One thing that comes to mind that's always missed as well is the food-drug interactions between cocarodopa, cinnamate and cobenaldopa, madapar, is that if you have a high-protein meal, you're less likely to absorb the full dose and it will just pass straight through. So making sure that the timing of the dose doesn't link up to when you're having a, a meal high in protein. And quite a lot of patients with Parkinson's might have their main meal in the middle of the day as opposed to the end of the day. So taking that into account and putting the timings around that, perhaps having the dose an hour before that high protein meal or two hours afterwards would be a sensible way to go. I see. OK, thank you for that. And I think um, what comes to mind, you know, when you're sharing that information with regard to timing is, you know, say, for example, we have a situation in practice, which is unusual where patients running low on their medication or their medication reviews, not quite up to date. And a pharmacist naturally may think, OK, let's perhaps delay this or maybe only provide a few days worth of medication. And I think it's really important for the pharmacist to understand because timing is so important when it comes to taking medications in Parkinson's for a patient to go without their medication, even delaying it by a few hours, let alone a few days, you know, can significantly impact the patient. So I think when we are faced with situations like this in practice where the medication review is not up to date or, you know, perhaps a wait on something else, unless we know that the patient isn't going to be significantly harmed by us issuing the medication on this occasion, despite all those other things being sort of overdue, my advice would be to just be a little bit more lenient. Would you agree? Danny, make sure that they do not run out of medication, issue that prescription as a one-off, make sure that that prescription is signed by the name GP or yourself if you're a prescriber, make sure that they're not going to run out. And if there's a shortage at the pharmacy, for example, and the pharmacy can't order it in, send another prescription to another pharmacy that can get it in, do a further prescription that they can then go around and find pharmacies with it. It's really, really vital that particularly with Parkinson's meds, that they do not have any kind of gaps in their dosing and um, otherwise that's going to set them back quite a bit and it's bad for their confidence as well it's really important to point that out is that actually if they're frozen as it's called or if they're really immobile that's really going to put them back it's going to make them kind of withdraw in, into themselves and be less likely to kind of go out and about so giving them the freedom to be able to do that making sure that you've got regular doses making sure you're reviewing the medication every year sometimes kind of more frequently is really important to that person's life I think as well, just to highlight there as well, so with patients on Parkinson's medications, by them not having that supply and us not issuing that prescription, they would stop that medication abruptly. So increasing the risk of achernesias and more seriously, things like neuroleptic malignant syndrome as well. So really important that they are not running out of their supply of medications. So just leading on from that, Danny, what are some of the red flags that pharmacists need to be aware of and when should we refer patients? So I think obviously there's going to every patient is going to be under uh, the care of a neurologist and possibly and probably a Parkinson's nurse as well. So they'll have a close communication with those two kind of entities. Probably more often will be the Parkinson's nurse. In terms of red flags, 
everything we've touched on in terms of if they're displaying impulsive behavior, if they feel that their symptoms are worsening and they might need a dose increase if they've only just started on Cinemet, but it's not really helping, then that would be when you'd refer into the Parkinson's nurse or the Parkinson's team and the neurologist asking and maybe feeding back that the symptoms aren't being controlled. But you'd hope when someone gets started on the medication, they have the regular reviews. But in terms of kind of red flags we can pick up, I would look at the fact that what is that patient in front of you going to be more likely uh, to be at risk of? And the first thing and the big alarm bells is falls. So make sure that that patient is given adequate warning and to take their medication at a particular time, adequate warning to keep track of their blood pressure, to make sure that they're taking it slowly, to make them aware that the mobility might kind of start to decrease on perhaps stuff um, and mobility that they might have had before, to make them aware of that and take things a bit slower. Because falls for me is the biggest, biggest thing that Parkinson's patients get, that can really set them back as well. And obviously, in terms of the constipation, making sure that they're keeping that monitored and to let us know if that does become worse or if it's not being controlled with the laxatives that they've currently got is really important. Perfect. And thank you for that. And what would you say is like a good recommendation? How frequently should Parkinson's patients be having medication reviews? It really depends. It's quite hard to give a, a definitive answer. It depends how progressed their disease is, how stable they are, and how early on in their treatment pathway they are, really. So if you've got someone that has only started on one cinema a day, maybe in the evening or in the morning or something, they're unlikely to need a, a frequent review. But if you've got that Parkinson's patient that I kind of mentioned that's on three agents, really advanced disease, and is struggling to manage their own medication and maybe has a care or something like that, they might need more frequently than annual reviews. They might need six monthly reviews or something more frequent than that even. But you would hope that there's kind of care in place or there's a Parkinson's nurse kind of sitting above that system and yourself to support you as well. So it's not you on your own. Just know the system around you, know what that patient's needs are. Perfect. Thank you, Danny. Yeah, so I think speaking of annual reviews, obviously, Danny, you provided a really comprehensive answer and when I asked you to sort of highlight some of the key aspects that need to be covered. For our audience that don't know, we also have a training program available on our academy platform, which covers how to review the condition of Parkinson's, which is part of our clinical medication review series. And yeah, as I said, you've provided, uh, you know, quite comprehensive answers to a lot of the questions, which I think some of the main things that I think pharmacists need to be aware of. Obviously, during a podcast, there's only so much we can cover. But can you recommend any other useful resources that you're aware of that our audience listening can access to better support their patients that they care for in primary care? Yeah, I mean, the Parkinson's UK website is is the kind of the one-stop shop, really. It's got lots and lots of information on there, lots of links. But also, I think it's really important, and I always recommend, whenever you're looking at guidance documents and things like that, these are documents that you want to then forward to patients, and they, they need to be patient-friendly as well. And the Parkinson's UK resources are really, really good. There's, like, information that then links out to prescribing information for pharmacists if, some, if a patient's got swallowing difficulties, for example. But it's also got really patient friendly information about what the different types of drugs are, maybe not going into really weird analogies about Henry Hoover's, uh, maybe a bit more scientific than mine, but really helpful, useful tools for patients. So when you're having that discussion with a patient, maybe that's got a new diagnosis or maybe has been given a new treatment, you can kind of link in with a website, send them an email or a text by AccuRx or something like that. And get them to read it and then maybe schedule a call the following week to catch up with them if they've got any questions. I think it's really important to be familiar with the resources that you send to patients. Don't just send it cold without you knowing what you're sending them. So I would say as a first step for any pharmacist kind of wanting to, to broach into this subject, check out the website, click on a few links, 
have a bit of learning and I'm sure you'll probably find something on that website that you're like oh I didn't know that and that's really important for us to develop as professionals really isn't it yeah absolutely okay fantastic Danny thank you uh, so I think that that's all we've got time for I know you're a very busy man Danny so uh, thanks again for sparing your time uh, with us again and uh, it's clear that you're quite knowledgeable in this in this subject so really appreciate you taking the time and giving us uh, you know sort of food for thought well, Rahina will agree that it was quite informative um, I've certainly learned a couple of things as well so uh, yeah thank you again Danny for joining us and uh, thank you Rahina thank you thanks very much bye thank you bye-bye